けた夜空の星たちの光ミリシアの思い願いが近い声色褪せることなくとも光瞳に映る誰かの叫び風に思いを好きに願いを力ある限り生きてくんだ今日も僕らの思いもいつか誰かの胸に光続けようあの星のように To Unprofessionalism Cast, the podcast where I have stopped caring.、Uh, we watched B- Burn the Witch.、Um, we sure did do this, huh, Sam? We did indeed watch Burn the Witch.、Um, so now, the question I was actually、uh, I was going to ask you this before we started recording, actually.、Um, but how did you want to talk about the movie? Because、uh, both of us said that we weren't going to do, do like a full recap.、Uh, but we can either talk about like, you know, like things in each episode. We could talk, we could start with the characters. We could do something like here's the things we liked, here's the things we didn't like, here's the things we think could be better going forward. Uh, I think we could you know, do like、just... a really loose recap. Because the thing is, I did not take. My traditional like summary notes, but like I remember the basics of the plot, and then we can like talk about the characters afterward, maybe? Sure. Okay, so the plot is this、uh, Burn the Witch is supposedly a spin off of Bleach.、Uh, reading the wiki, it takes place two years after the ending of Bleach, but it has. Literally, like, one connection to Bleach that I could find, which was that there is something called Soul Society West Branch.、Uh, but we don't even really go super into detail on that.、Um, we follow two witches who work for something called Wingbind,、uh, Noelle Nihashi and Nini Spankol,、um, who are pipers, which are basically like they're people meant to like harvest stuff from dragons. Like, they're, they're dragon farmers, is what I got, basically. Yeah, they rear and also preserve dragons and preserve people from dragons. Worth mentioning, this all takes place in London.、Um, specifically,、uh, London is split into two things Front London and Reverse London.、Um, so, Front London, from what I gathered, because sometimes, okay, sometimes the lore dumps in this are like. Clear to the point where it's like, okay, you can stop talking about this now. And sometimes they're just like 
one or two sentence drops that don't give you a whole lot. Um, but basically, uh, Front London doesn't really know about the dragons, but somehow, despite 72% of the deaths in London having been by dragons, like, for, quote, time immemorial, it's, like, on their coat of arms. It, it, yeah, well, world... like, the set, the setup is that the, like, normal people can't see dragons, is the thing. Like, normal people just can't see dragons. And people yes. who can see dragons move out of front London and into reverse London. Yes. Correct. That That is, yes. You've explained this far better. Um, so, in reverse London is where most of our story is taking place. Uh, as this is where Wingbind is located and is where... Uh, witches and wizards who work for Wingbind uh, reside. Anybody with magical ability, basically, resides here. Um, so everything's normal until one day uh, they're, like, back at their, like, base, like, cashing in their achievement points or, like, they're, they're, they're in company Starbucks, basically. Like, I, I'm right there. It's, like, company Starbucks, Yeah. Yeah, like they, the when Nini and Noel do tasks, whether it's going to pick the flowers off of a dragon that's blossoming or capture a rampaging dragon downtown or whatever, uh, they get they earn money and achievement points. One of them yeah. cares about the money. One of them cares about the achievement points. They're a wacky duo. They're totally a wacky duo. Um, so. In the, in the middle of them doing this, uh, they hear, like, screaming or something, and their good friend Balgo, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call him Balgo, I don't, I don't know if it's Balgo, Balgo, it, it, it Balgo, we're, we're sticking to Balgo, uh, he is riding, like, on the tail of a flying dog, uh, that is a dragon named Osushi, and essentially... We learned that Balgo is what's called a dragonclad. Uh, in the show, it does not explain what a dragonclad is. They do explain it in the manga very briefly, but not why we should really care. Um, but essentially, uh, because Balgo is a dragonclad, he attracts dragons, and his dog, Osushi, is a disguiser-type dragon, uh, which essentially means that unless something weird happens... Normally, he just looks like a dog. Um, what happens is, because Balgo attracts dragons, we get one in the streets, and suddenly there's a big dragon fight, and things are bad for a bit, and some guy almost gets touched by a dragon, which is apparently against the law. Uh, in the show, I recall them only speaking about execution it, as, like, the... Uh, the punishment if you get like if you come into contact with a dragon whereas in like the manga it's like 100 years in jail or execution yeah they're kind of fuzzy on it but it's like the for we should probably mention that the the world building of the series is that the society of reverse london uses dragons for everything they use yeah. dragons for buses they use dragons as like the equivalent to bikes they use dragons for their food like they grow food off like plant dragons they have mineral dragons that 
like give them their building materials they have electricity and heat dragons that they use to like warm their houses in winter and that kind of stuff but it is illegal to touch dragons unless uh, and- you have the po- proper like the proper like requisites like uh, the proper paperwork done basically <laughs> somehow i guess that stops you from being dragon clad yeah because so like the uh the i think the the idea is in general that because even like the people who are working to harvest stuff off dragons they are not allowed to touch the dragons directly they're wearing like hazmat suits basically yeah um, and the idea it it's expanded upon during the one shot that precedes this uh that doesn't really get much callbacks to but dragons essentially feed off people's emotions so the idea is if you touch a dragon and you're not like properly trained or whatever you're going to precipitate that dragon turning into a dangerous dark dragon so that's why people aren't allowed to touch dragons yeah that and dragons supposedly uh secrete something called dragotoxin uh and that's how you become a dragon clad is when the dragotoxin essentially like once it reaches a certain amount in your body you become a dragon clad which means you attract dragons and it's alluded to that dragonclads have powers, but from what is out so far, we have not really seen that, except for maybe, like, one tiny thing uh, that doesn't even really matter. Um, so, we've got these three main characters. We've also got uh, Billy Banks Jr., who is, like, the chief, like, he's, like, the dispatcher guy that, like, tells noel and Nini where to go and what to fight and like gives them their their missions and stuff um he's mostly off screen uh like there's like a few scenes with him over the course of the like three episodes but mostly we hear him like through the phone um they fight like the dark dragon and then like the episode like I don't remember much else about the episode ending there. I thought the fight scene was a little weak, frankly. Like, not, like, bad. It was just, like, eh. The best part of the first episode, and, like, the thing that takes precedence over anything out of the actual fight scene itself, is the fact that the dragon is just, like, this even after its head gets chopped off and it's it still has a face on its inside its neck which is terrifying and creepy yeah. like it's a good it's a really good design for a dragon um but it's it's just like kind of flopping around like a big fat dinosaur and it's like running around like it has like stumpy little legs compared to the size of his body so when it starts running after them threateningly it's like kind of waddling so it waddles a lot and it waddle it waddles fantastically it does waddle fantastically um so I should state here for episode one, uh, overall, uh, I, at first I was going to do like just a pros and cons list because I didn't know like how I wanted to do notes for this. Uh, but I ended up taking so few notes during episode one because I got so little out of it, um, that I just like ended up expanding pros and cons to include random notes. And all I wrote down here was smartphones, achievement points, tongue test. <laughs> There was apparently a, a dragon, like, uh, a dragon contact prohibition act in 1609, um, which is why the, it's, like, against the law now. Um, it's never, 
explicitly explained in the in the actual show or the limited series that they what they are writing on are in fact dragons like you can tell they're dragons but it's never like explained um but my my two of my three pros here uh in episode one were that it has great animation and the creature design is great i have to agree uh, those I don't good. have much. Like it's it's good. It's got good animation. The designs are great. Like that's, but it it's also like you know it's got OVA money. It's great. Yeah. Um. My my third pro was that the ending theme is really good. That's about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um. So now what are your cons. Oh wait, we forgot. Uh, it does end. Uh, after like this fight, we we cut away to uh the top of horns. You know the the big the big people in charge of Wingbind. Um, we've got... Uh, let me see if I can remember their names, just like off the top of my head. We've got Bruno Bangknife. Uh, we've got Roy B. Dipper. Um, some guy, I think his name's Tronbone. Something like that. He's like a trumpet guy. Uh, we've got Sullivan Squire, who is a Nazi. Uh, and we've got somebody who doesn't matter because they don't show up. Uh, and then we've got Knockoff Arahara. Who's a billionaire. Yeah, well, there's also, there's an old guy, there's the old guy. And oh, the old guy, also... uh, Wolfgang, right? That's and there's the... the one with the unpronounceable name. There's an unpronounceable, I probably, I I feel like you're making that up, but also I can't <laughs> tell if you are. Hold on, hold on. I Now I need to actually find it. Oh, wait, do you mean so... the one that has, like, the huge boobs that, like, shows up? Like, in one of yes. the, like, two-page spreads? Yes. There are too many C, Q consonants close together uh, for me to, like, understand this name without being given a, um, a, a like, pronunciation key. Because uh, I think the character, like, the character gives, like, an English vibe. Yeah. So it's like, so I feel like I can't be like, oh, it's, it's, like, a name from this region of the globe. So, like, I'll, I'll pronounce it this way. Like, because some of the characters are like, this feels more like, um, uh, this feels more, like, Bruno Bangknife gives, like, more of an American feel or, like, a punk feel. Uh, like there's like a he has a very specific aesthetic to him, and you're like, okay, this is this kind of character. I do then, like Bruno Bangknife in some respects, but we'll get to that. Uh, whereas her, it's like, I don't know, maybe maybe French is like the vibe that I get from her, but she doesn't talk. I don't think anyone says her name, or at least if they do, I forget it. And uh, yeah, uh, but most most, these... mostly it's like he it's here's the captains right like it's yeah. that's just what this scene is it's here's the captains you guys remember Bleach right <laughs> um so most of these characters do not matter um thus far I so we we should state like so far Burn the Witch is consisting of a one shot uh and a limited four chapter manga series. Uh, and the four the four chapter manga series is what got turned into the three part anime film, um, and essentially, uh, it has been confirmed for a season two of the limited manga series. Uh, my guess, based on what we've gotten so far, is it's probably going to run for seven seasons if it keeps going. 
uh, and I'll, I'll get to that later. Um, so one of the things I do want to bring up here, just because like in in the past we have discussed Kubo's tendencies to use Nazi aesthetics. Uh, so each of these captain characters has like a font that their name is like posted in that's supposed to go with like their aesthetic and like what their deal is and the nazi characters who again is named sullivan squire the s's are literally in the nazi like ss and it's really bad it's really upsetting like it because you see the character and you're like okay like i get it kubo you love like the hugo boss aesthetic here like i get it um, and then they give every character like this big introduction where each character's name is has like that font, like you said. Um, like for example, Bruno Bangknife is a like a lot of his stuff is about being like um, he he's got like this punk delinquent vibe. He's got a lot of stuff with like spray paint, so his name is like spray painted and is dripping paint. Um, and or then, like the yeah, Tronbone guy is like a bunch of like horns like consisting of his name and Roy B Dipper is like musical notation stuff going on. Uh, exactly. And then the Nazi is just like the SS and it's like, first of all, this is a little like non-creative. Second of all, it's just like thoughtlessly using it with no regard for like what it actually like insinuates or means. It's just, this is the Nazi. Here you go. Um, my other cons for the first episode were horny. Um, the show's very horny. Uh, like, it's not, like, as fanservice-y as I expected it to be, but it's still, like, very horny, and, like, a lot of the dialogue... I, like, I've noticed this. Like, a lot of the dialogue directed towards Noel specifically, is, like, really horny. Yeah, well, so, a lot of the... A lot of the dialogue that's horny towards Noel is specifically from Balgo. Yes. And Bal cuz Balgo is con. Like Balgo is a, is just a horny boy. <laughs> yes, he's just a horny boy. Like the the prequel one shot is all about Balgo, like it's like he is the main character of this story and it's all about how he's a childhood friend of Noel who every single day tries to get a peek at her underwear or whatever. Like, he's just a shitty, horny boy. It literally, literally, like, the one-shot basically opens on Show Me Your Panties. Um, and we, we get callbacks to that uh, over the course of this, through Balgo. Um, we barely know the main characters from this episode. Um, and I feel like that's something that, like, really kind of permeates the entire show, is... These characters feel very one note because we know very very little about them. Uh we like I uh, name I mean I'd say like name like a few things you know about like Ninny and the, the few things I know are that she's like a pop star that she wants to join the Sabers and that she is like the angry like Sundere type character basically. Well, she's she's also just angry. Yeah, <laughs> like there's she, there's the like, angry tunes there, but she's also just angry. If you've um, watched if you've watched Bleach, her personality is akin to Hiori, is what I'd say. If you remember Hiori, I wouldn't say I wouldn't talk about Hiori because that's in that's in future Bleachcast. 
That's true. That's the the that's the long, the far fetched future our our listeners don't, may don't not, look up Hiori. I'm not the, aware. Don't, don't don't look her up. I'm just saying if you've watched it, she's like Hiori. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's but it's like, uh, like yes, the characters are very like here's their like we we barely get any information on any of them, but on the other hand, like this is an OVA. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a lot of time, and they do have like, like within the first, I'd say five minutes of seeing Nini on screen and seeing Noel on screen, like you know what they're for, like who they are. Yeah. And, like they they don't have a ton of character, and we have almost no info about any of their backstory. But I will give them this, and that's the character that we do get is very strongly um, portrayed in that like. You you see them for like thirty seconds interacting with with each other, and you're like, okay, I get it. You get the you're, dynamic. You're this character. You're this character. You're this character. All right. I don't need a ton to understand uh, how their conflict is going to evolve throughout the episode. Uh, which you know, like, it's still, like it, it would be inter. It's hard to get invested in the characters. Yeah, but they are like very quickly recognizable. So it's like that's the the pros and cons as far as i'm concerned there for those characters they're very quickly uh defined is what i'd say is you you're you're exactly right is you know who they are like i i didn't care about them because of this but like that that's just me uh yeah, maybe... the the thing is this entire the thing with this ova as far as i'm concerned is episode 3 is pretty good and then but it feels like it should belong. It belongs to a like it should be the season finale of a twelve episode season. Yeah. Um, and in its defense, that is what if OVAs are for on occasion. I also personally feel like uh, episode three kind of like dwindles at the end, but we'll get there. Yeah, uh, and what what I mean is the um, like the take the Little Witch Academia OVA, uh, like it w- it serves as a pilot to for the upcoming or it serves as the pilot that they then take that exact same story and those story beats and they stretch it out over a season that came later and then the season was like a lot better realized and you got a lot more time with the characters uh so like i'm kind of looking at this ova in the same idea so that's why i'm not faulting it too much on like not getting a bunch of info but it is true that like i don't care about these girls (laughs) or like i just don't care care about any of them like it, it it makes the story like the remainder of the story fall very flat like because of that like i'm interested i i will say i'm like interested in the world they have set up uh but it also feels like some of it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh that's something i think we can probably talk about like after we get through the remainder of the story just so we can cover our bases here but I don't know. I'm I'm interested. I I would like to see maybe more. Maybe. Um yeah. We in episode 2, we essentially like opened on uh like a news reel uh of basically Nini's pop band. You learned that there was another member named Macy uh, in her pop band. Um to this point, uh really quickly, uh I didn't even know it was a pop band until I read the manga because they just keep saying the word group. 
like I, I'm sure like in the Ninny like title card when they're like introducing her, like they probably say she's like a pop star, but like I missed that and <laughs> I, I I didn't even realize it was a pop band. I'm like, what is this group? Are they a pop band? Are they like a, a model group? What's going on? Um yeah, you learn it's that, very blink and you miss it. <laughs> uh we we find out that like Macy left the group and essentially uh the a gossip rag, the realist, uh, uses, like, a shot of Ninny saying, freaking annoying, to, like, be like, oh, that's what she thinks of Macy, um, and then that, like, kind of gets cut out, um, the girls get called out on, like, another order, uh, and it turns out they go to the realist's building just as an explosion happens while they're walking by, um, and they fly up there to check on the explosion, and Macy is there, uh, and Macy has a dragon, uh, named Ellie, uh, who, the, again, the creature design looks really cool, um, there's, like, a very, very small, like, fight scene here that, like, kind of happens off-screen, like, it, it's just, like, Ellie gets hit once, and it's, like, off-screen when it happens, and we just see her, like, get like slammed against a wall um but the biggest note i wanted to take away from this is that they use the crazy lesbian trope yep because they're because macy loves nina uh like she loves her so much that literally any girl that is vaguely helpful towards her macy flies in a murderous rage and starts throwing desks at them and it's a shame because when like when Macy is angry and she's yelling at people, she is a v- like she's really entertaining to watch. Like she's very yeah. animated. Like she's uh, the way she expresses her anger is like is is really funny. Like she's just yelling at people and she's like, "Ah, oh, come back here! I'm gonna I'm gonna beat the shit out of you," uh, which is like just this complete departure from her usual like kind of wallflowery, um, demure aesthetic that she has. And she's like lifting desks over her head to like chuck them out the window. It's almost Totsky-esque when she gets angry. Almost. Yeah, like, it, it's like, it, she basically completely shifts between two character archetypes. But, it, yeah, it's just like, ah, it's the lesbian, and she's mad that someone is near her friend that she's in love with. And Yay. Yeah. Um, this bit lasts for approximately five seconds. We also learn, like, bits and pieces of information, like, Macy's actually from Front London, and um, essentially, like she found a dragon. We 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 like that. That's skipping ahead a bit. Um, there's like another attack or something. I forget exactly what the like preceding event is that like causes them to fly up to the roof of the realist building, but they find the um the totally not a captain Bruno Bangknife at at the top of the building. And he's angry uh, because Balgo uh, is supposedly, like, set to be exterminated um, because, for some reason, it took them a month to decide that a dragonclad maybe should be eliminated. Well, like, in the manga, it's got something to do with, like, since Balgo's been there, there's been, like, I think two or three attacks by dark dragons on the city. And previously, there hadn't been one for, like, a hundred years or whatever. So yeah. they're like, oh, it's the dragonclad's fault. Let's just fucking murk him. Yeah, but it, it takes like a month for them to get to that decision. But yeah, 
Um, and essentially Bruno's like angry at the girls. And then he is like, it was I who hired Macy and her dragon for some reason. And I wasn't entirely clear on what that reason was. Um, there was like one more kind of weak action beat. And then, um, suddenly, uh, Noel like flies down. He like tells the guards, uh, like the rest of his squad to like go capture Balgo because like the extermination order hasn't like passed yet. Like the bounty on his head hasn't gone live. So, uh, he like gets some of his people to start snatching Balgo and Noel's like, nope. And she flies down and she like smashes the guards away with like a spell and then like grabs Balgo and Ninny's like, come on, Macy. And she grabs Macy and they fly away, leaving Ellie and Bruno bang knife behind. Bruno summons his dragon. Uh, what was it called? Rickenbacker? Rickenbacker. Rickenbacker. I, I, it's like I, the coolest dragon in this in this OVA too. I I thought it looked a bit more generic than the others, but it was still pretty neat. Um, well, like it it's a it looks more like a traditional dragon, uh, but its wings are or cool. like, but like its wings are really cool. But also, it just like it appears in a giant shock of lightning yeah. that like makes a shock wave around. Like its its appearance, like the when it appears, it's really cool and badass. Yes, I agree absolutely. Uh, so they fly away and they go to like a crane and it's like nighttime now. And Macy's like, all right, I'm going to explain my backstory. And uh, so she does. And we learn that uh, she apparently uh, found Ellie as a very small dragon, but she was the only one who could see Ellie because it's front London and, you know, people can't normally see dragons. And at first she thought she must be going crazy because nobody else could see it. And then she started feeding it water, and the water was getting drink drank, so uh, she was like, oh, I guess I'm not crazy. This is a real dragon. Um, and she was just like, it kept getting bigger until she was a big dragon. And, like, I, she goes on about how, like, the dragon, like, made her feel special. And this was probably the closest I came to caring about any of the characters. Yeah, like, she, like... Because she is part of Ninny's uh, band, or at least she was previously. But in here, she says, "Well, I I look okay, and I can dance good, I guess." So they kind of just picked me out to be like a background person, and they put me up in really good makeup and really good dresses, and that's the only reason that I'm a success. So she's got like this real, like super down on herself, um, yeah, inferiority complex, and. The dr- being able to see the drag, she's like, ah, I am special. I am a chosen one. Uh, when, so it's like, you kind of feel for her, but like, we we don't get a lot of, like, it It, it would have needed, like, m- like, a two-episode thing, I think, and, like, having it spursed out across other stuff. Um, which, again, like, that's kind of, like, what the point of the OVA is, is, like, here's all these things... Here's all these plot beats that we could maybe eventually turn to a fuller series. Uh, so I don't want to fault it too much on, on it being compressed. But, like, it didn't really land at this point. Yeah, it, 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 like, it comes close to making you, like, have any amount of feeling for this character. But it just doesn't quite get there. Because there's not enough of an emotional punch to get there. It, like, that entire backstory happens in maybe, like, what, two minutes? 
Um, uh, it's worth stating uh, at this point, uh, Bruno did call uh, Macy a watcher, and it's not explained what that is in the show. In the manga, it is explained that a watcher is somebody who can see dragons, which makes sense. Uh, it's basically explained that Ellie has a high amount of magical ability, which is why she can see dragons. Um, so we get to episode three and it essentially, uh, Bruno like catches up with them and Ellie is like, all right, cool. I'm going to go into stealth mode. And Bruno's like, what? That, that's not a thing normal dragons can do. And, uh, then, like, Ellie, like, in probably one of the cooler parts in the season, well, the series, uh, the movie, but I, I'm so, it's a movie. It's a movie split, split into three parts. Um, Ellie, like, molts and becomes, like, a really, like, magnificent looking dragon as opposed to, like, this really shriveled, uh, almost, like, golem-esque dragon. I would say Gollum, like, Lord of the Rings, like, thin, like, you can see her ribs sort of dragon. Um, well, she goes from being a, um, she goes from being a featherless seagull to being a really fluffy chicken with a long neck. Yes, that. That's a good way of describing uh, it. And a crown. They, they use the word molt, but no, she, like, she grows feathers. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the, the molting is weird because, yeah, no, she just grows feathers all over her body and also her beak shrinks. Um, In, whatever, it's magic. Basically, the, the, at this point, they go, well, that's not normal for a dragon to do. She molts in the moonlight. And also, she has six talons. So, of course, this could only mean one thing that she's a Mershen, uh, aka one of the seven fairy tale dragons. Uh, and we, it's at this point, uh, we learned that there are seven fairy tale dragons. I did not write down the names of all these fairy tales. Uh, but it, it, it's basically like Red Riding Hood, uh, Golden Axe, I guess. Golden Axe! <laughs> I, I want like, to see the Golden Axe dragon! I want to see the Golden Axe dragon! Um, it, it's, I think Snow White was in there? Um, but Ellie is Cinderella because she matures at night. Yeah, she also she has like a she has like horns that that look like a crown. Yeah. Like she's kind of, she's kind of like a crown uh she's got kind of crowns. Oh, there's also like I think Animal House is one of the one of the the machen. I think so. Um it is it is the uh, Nini... it's the German word for fairy tale is what the word is. Uh Nini does say fairy tales are such bullshit here. Um, which I thought was very funny. Um, we get, like, a really weird, like, okay, so, fucking Ellie lands on, like, a building, and it, Noelle, like, starts explaining, she's also got this, like, star ash thing, where it's, like, dust that comes off her wings, and it explodes. And as she's saying this, like, (laughs) Ellie is, like, on top of the building, and, like, flaps her wings once, and it, like, just blows up, like, 90% of the city, it looks like. Yeah, it's just, like incredible devastation like it's a really cool shot because because she, she just like spreads her wings and does one big flap and then you see like a bunch of um scintillation in the air 
and like, oh shit, that must be the explosive. Holy shit, it all exploded. Yeah, it, it's really neat. Um, probably one of the oh, cooler I, bits. I do have the list. I want to go. I I want to just mention the seven uh, <laughs> mansion. Please do. Uh, so, so we've got Cinderella. We've mentioned Snow White and Golden Axe, and then there's Red Dress, which is like presumably Riding Hood. Yeah. Um, Band of Animals, not Animal House. Band of Animals, and then Sugar House and Bubbles, which I think is going to be a little. It's going to be a Little Mermaid thing. Yeah, it's and Sugar be. House is going to be like a Hansel and Gretel thing, I guess. Um, you know, fun so, names, fun, so uh, is, fun things. This is the reason I said I think there's going to be like seven quote unquote seasons of this limited series, is because like presumably they're going to go after one of these dragons e- each of the seasons, right? Like that's. I I'm, I think there's a, there's one or two. That are going to show up like as pairs or or like two in the same movie or something, okay. and I think there's at least one movie that's going to be about uh, the Nazi and how like the upper brass is evil uh, because the Nazi's part of this is like basically the secret police. There there is some like stuff with like Billy Banks sneaking around in the background of these episodes that happens like once or twice, and the the like Nazi like catches up to him or something and it doesn't really matter um it's just kind of there yeah it's it's just like it's clearly setting up for like a future plot uh including the thing that happens with balgo later so we fight this dragon uh we fight cinderella for a bit um balgo gets a sword for some reason uh it's not explained he's like hey what's this and he's got a sword and it's like coming out of like the horn that like Nini gave him and then it's not touched upon at all again <laughs> it's literally like a 30 second like hey what's this gag and then it's never remarked upon um i have i have an extended theory as to exactly what that is but i'll get to it after we're done talking he's about the soul the reaper i <laughs> figured it out no um but uh, they go to fight the dragon, and we get the single coolest shot, in my opinion, uh, the the two the two coolest shots, I should say, uh, in the entire limited series. One is as Bruno is flying on the back of Rickenbacker, like towards Cinderella. He like a spray can, like a spray paint can, like he reveals that he's got a belt filled with spray paint cans and one of them like shoots off and he like grabs it and he starts spraying like a sigil on Rickenbacker's wings and like a creature jumps out of it and that was like the sickest shit. Yeah, like, so Ninny and Noel this entire time have been using, they have little horns uh, that like bend at a 90 degree angle. So some of their spells, they blow into this, they blow on, into the horn, and then magic comes out like the large end at, with the sound. And then sometimes they're holding onto the big end like if it as if it was a gun, and then they shoot the spells out. Um, I like I love the idea, I love the concept and the execution of it being both a horn and a gun. I do, but too. I hate. I hate the fucking look of them. I, I absolutely despise I, them. I cannot take them seriously. I think they, they like, look I, so silly. I hate them. Uh, they're so but, silly. They're they're dumb. 
Yeah. And then you have Bruno Bagknife, who's like, what if I had magic spray paint that I graffitied sigils onto the air or onto my dragon's wing, and that's how he casts spells? Like, Bruno so, Bagknife is so cool. Bruno Bagknife is the coolest character in this entire, like, miniseries. And I hate having to say that because he looks like an asshole. Like... I, I, I love him. I love his look, frankly. Like, I, I think he looks cool, like, in, like, a really douchebag sort of way. But I like him. Um, but, uh, he's also got, like, this bandana that's got, like, a skull face, like, a skull mouth on it. And it, like, opens with his mouth, too. Yeah, like, it, it matches his lip movements when he's talking. It, it's uh, really neat. <laughs> which is just an incredible piece of, like, of, of fashion where you're like, what... <laughs> Why would you take, why would you, like, enchant this thing so that it matches your lip movements? It's but, so funny. You know, um, like, but it's th- it's just, overall, he's got, like, a really cool aesthetic. Like, Kubo's good at making, like, just this asshole that you love to watch yes. in action. And he is 100% that character. Uh, so, the second coolest shot happens, like, right after this, where um, Bruno is like, hey, if you girls help me, like, fight this legendary dragon i'll guarantee you a spot in the inks which is essentially uh after reading the manga i realized the context of this is the inks are essentially the uh sect of wingbind that uh bruno commands and they're like paint-based uh which is in wizards which that that's cool i like that yeah yeah like the pipers use horns the inks use spray cans uh, and then the Pipers are also, like, more of a, the, the like, they're the, uh, the gathering ones. and farming and stuff. And then the Inks, I think, are more of, like, a combat thing. Like, they're a defend, they're the ones who are actually in charge of taking out Dark Dragons. Them and the Sabres, supposedly. The, the Sabres are the tactical core, and they are led by the Nazi. Um, yeah. So, uh, this the second coolest part... Uh, is they the the girls basically go no we're not really interested in the inks and Ninny's like I'm gonna join the sabers and then they fly off and they use their little horn guns to like do a prison spell called like supernal prison uh and it's really neat it, like cages Ellie in on top of this building for a second and Bruno's like great job and he spray paints a sigil into the air in this like graffiti ink just like it looks like graffiti writing like it just starts like flooding down around the dragon and it looks really cool yeah it's like you guys put like the quick the quick prison around it so i can do the much stronger but slower prison spell that i've got and yeah it looks incredible it's absolutely cool uh very 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 cool um the the theory here is that uh if Cinderella tries to use her like explosive star ash again, uh she'll blow herself up. Uh that doesn't work, and then Bruno's like, Well shit, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> then, then out of nowhere, uh everybody is just like something feels weird in the air. And then we just get this beam, like this thin beam from across the city, and it just shoots Cinderella in the head. And then there's the zoom-in shot from across the city, and we cut to a finger pointing through a window, and it's got this extremely small circular hole in the window, and it's fucking Billy Banks, the chief of 
of Noel and Nina. So the the sequence of events here is they mention, hey, we can probably kill it if we break one of its horns because the legends about it say that that's what we're going to do. And then there's a small argument of like, well, if it's a legend, like, how do we know it's accurate? Well, you know, one, it's a legend. It's literally the only info we have. So why don't we go for it? Um, It's, you know, fair. Uh, This is the point where where Balgo's horn that he was given earlier turns into a sword. When it does that, Cinderella, who had been like advancing on the party, stops moving and just stares. Uh, And like her eyes that were like red kind of just become like a dull brown. And when she stops moving, she gets shot by like the laser sniper shot. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, That tracks. Uh, This is the reason I said I feel like this episode like kind of dwindled at the climax. Because, like, we get this really cool shot of, like, the, like, up until now, the two main characters doing something really cool, and then this captain that they're working with doing something cool. Um, and I, I feel, personally speaking, like, it kind of detracts from all that when just somebody who, until now, uh, w- would it be too much to call Billy Banks a joke character up until this point? Because he's totally been, like, a joke character to this point, Yeah. He has been a joke character, and the Nazi has been intimating, like, over, like, her, like, maybe two lines of dialogue that she has in the entire thing, um, that there's something about him, his father was a hero, something, something, he's, like, the descendant of greatness. Yes. But, but it's mostly played off as a joke, and those scenes are very, like, blink and you'll miss it, um, Yeah. And then just to have, like, Billy Banks, like, take care of the dragon in one shot, I don't know. It, it feels very strange. Uh, we we cut back to his office, and he's like, ah, well, you're getting, like, five smackaroonies. Uh, here's your, uh, here's your payment. And then he's like, but we killed a legendary dragon. And he's like, it says here that Bruno Bangknife killed the dragon. It, he got the final hit and then Ninny's like well he didn't do it either and then billy is like either so you admit it, it was neither of you then you're lucky you're getting paid at all which fair i guess um and then we get a shot of noel running up to balgo and like not hugging him but like grabbing the clothing on his chest and like getting up really close to him and he's like, did something bad happen? And she's like, no. Did something good happen? Yes. And then Osushi says, show me your panties. And then she gets angry and starts chasing him with the horn. And uh, we get like a few shots during the credits. Uh, and we get a quick shot of Soul Society West Branch is what it says. And that's it. That's Burn the Witch. The moment with Noel and Balgo before Osushi like just says the thing. That is probably my favorite bit of the episode. Like, it's, it's just a really good, oh, she does care. And because, you know, they're like childhood friends, even though they never talk about it in this uh, in this movie. But, like, she has an emotional reaction to him being declared okay. So she's like, yay, you're, you're going to be fine. And it's the one time where we really see her, like, show emotion because she's been completely she's very uh, dry. unfazed. She's been completely dry and absolutely unfazed throughout this entire series of events so far. So it's like, oh, this was like a really nice moment. And then they ruin it with the dumb joke. 
Yeah, which I think can kind of be said for a lot of this is they they have like an okay moment and then they kind of like roll back on that by either doing like a dumb joke or just having like something nonsensical happening. Um I I end when I ended the first episode, I was feeling very mixed, not like bad yet. Uh when I got to the crazy lesbian bit in episode two, I was like, okay, so now I'm feeling pretty negative on this and I'm waiting for the show to like redeem itself. And then it just kind of never did. So like, even though there were bits in episode three, like the action sequences I did enjoy, I ended up coming away feeling pretty negative on this, uh, on this because I didn't care about any of the characters. Um, I think I really think what makes this feel so strange in like this three episode hour long format um, is they try to do both the Balgo storyline and the Macy storyline concurrently. And it ends up leaving both of them feeling like falling like just short of being like good. Uh, like, the Macy storyline, like, we, we find out Macy's, like, okay, and, like, she's, like, a mild dragonclad now, whatever that means. Uh, and, like, now she has to be taken care of by Nini, and Noelle, like, Balgo is being taken care of by them. Um, yeah, like, what it means is that she has to join their their sitcom apartment, and now she li- she moves in with them. <laughs> um, but, like, the... Because, like, you can't do either one alone, because Macy is just female Balgo. Yeah! Like, she is... Because Balgo, like doesn't give a shit about Nini, really. <laughs> like, he, like you know, he's he doesn't hate her, but he's mostly like, oh, like, hey, Nini, fine, whatever. And he's head over heels for Noelle. And Macy is kind of the same way. Like, she mellows out. Like, you, you literally don't get any of the like, those, like, violent outbursts out of her after the first one. It's and really bizarre. She's way more chill. And I like her, I like her characterization afterwards because she's I just like... She's super stoked just to be close to Nini, and she's, like, really happy. She's like, oh, hey, we're gonna move in together. This is great. And she's just, like, really happy and upbeat. And I'm like, oh, I would actually really enjoy uh, having scenes where she's a big fan of Nini, and Balgo is a big fan of Noelle, and they're just, like, friends hanging out together. Because I think that those two hanging out together could be really interesting. Um, But, you know, we don't get, we don't really get any anything of that sort in this because there there's a uh, too much things that they wanted to set up or pursue in the in the story proper um, exactly but i, I but i, I am th- like i like the character she is in the third episode <laughs> yeah i like how she ends up i still don't like i'm not like at the point where i'd say like i i care about her like if she just got like murked like i probably wouldn't like i wouldn't be like that upset like i'd probably be like uh, well, that's a wasted character, but, like, I wouldn't be, like, actually genuinely, like, sad or upset quite yet. Um, it, it, it really is that neither of these two characters has enough time to develop in a way that you care about them, uh, because you've got the bug of extermination plot going on, and then it just completely abandons that because Cinderella is here and we need to act now, which, fair. Bruno like, Bagknife must be a main character, a, a new helpful main character he's yeah. a captain after all um we all uh Br- 
by the way, the extermination order on uh, on Balgo is just like dropped. <laughs> like uh, the reasoning for this is to set up the rest of the plot, which is that uh, supposedly uh, Balgo is going to help them find the rest of the seven legendary dragons so they can be exterminated. I don't know why they need to be exterminated. Probably because they cause mass destruction. Um, uh, there's there's a line somewhere where the like the Marken are like the ultimate enemy of mankind. They're like lo- they're essentially looming catastrophes that would get that can like kill thousands, but they just haven't ever shown up. Yeah. Um, and there is something about the top brass deciding to keep Balgo because they're like, oh, he's only been around for a month and he's already attracted one of the Americans. Like, fuck yeah, we're just gonna keep him around. And he'll give us all of them. Yeah. Um. God, I, on one hand, it was, like, almost relatively painless, but on the other hand, like, I also feel like I wasted an hour watching this. Like, I, I actively felt like I couldn't engage with it because there, the plot was so bare bones. And, like, yes, it's an OVA, and yes, it's, like, meant to be simplistic, but I still feel like an hour is enough time to, like, maybe... Maybe get rid of some of the Billy Bank stuff. Maybe let the characters actually take care of Cinderella. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, spend that extra little bit of time. Uh, also, get rid of the panties jokes. Um, spend that little bit of time actually, like, giving us anything about these characters. And I maybe, like, would have enjoyed it a bit more. Um, like, give us an actual slice of life thing where they're going out to, like, buy food or whatever. Uh, like just give them have them interact with each other instead of going from plot beat to plot beat when most of the plot beats aren't related to the plot uh it's it's like when you when you look back at bleach uh at least what we've talked about about bleach so far some of the moments we have been most positive on are when they just give the characters a second to breathe and just be characters and interact with each other and actually have you know a beat together (laughs) Uh, this has none of that. It's all, okay, we have to be action, we have to get the supposed plot moving right now, uh, because we've got an hour and we've got to do it, and I think that really detracts from it, because you've got, you've got a decently interesting idea for a world here. I don't think it's really super well thought out in some aspects, but I, I think, like, some of the stuff is interesting and could work well, potentially, if it were given more time to be fleshed out and actually expanded upon. Um, it, you've said this before. It, it feels like the final arc of Bleach is being written <laughs> in this series. Yeah, look, the, like, the way I see it, uh, like, the my recommendation for it is it's definitely not a must-watch. It's not atrocious. Um, it's solidly mediocre. But yeah. as far as what I would actually recommend people do, just watch episode three. Ma- like, watch episode three, make up backstories to, that fit, like, what's going on on screen. <laughs> and it'll probably be, like, more engaging than the actual, like, story that you would have gotten in episode one and two. The thing uh, is, I don't then, disagree. <laughs> and then just wait. And, if like, if you want more of it, then maybe go look at the episodes. But otherwise, just, like, wait until they make a season two. Like, it's not, like, it's fine. But yeah, like I mean, it's, it's I was not great. It's it not to be terrible, a lot worse. Yeah, that that is true. I was expecting it to be a lot less interesting. Um, are you prepared for my Belgo theory? 
Uh, I I am prepared. I think I I think I've sufficiently prepared myself for your Balgo theory. All right, prepare to have your mind expanded. There, the reason he has that horn is because uh, it's it's all a plot by Balgo to make him like really easily identifiable. An order comes down from on top that says, "Hey." Like, the girls are going to be bringing Balgo along on their mission to help them find dragons, so he should be wearing the official uniform of the Pipers, which is a little... It's a shawl and the pipe. So far, so good? Sweet. Yeah. Fine. Uh, the person who gives them the shawl and pipe specifically is Banks Jr. Banks Jr., who has been intimated as being, like, the son of a legend and being kind of a legend himself, although he, like, makes attention to, like, not let anyone know this. Like, he takes steps to hide his involvement. Um, right. But he is, he is the one that presumably picked out the horn and shawl to give to Balgo. When, but during the big climax, after Cinderella breaks free and they're all knocked back by the explosions and they're all like, well, this is it, we're fucked... And the Mekin, like, just rears up next to them. That's when Balgo's pipe that was given him by, uh, Bruno Barnaby Banks Buxonville Jr. Um, that's when it transforms into a sword. That is, like, there's something about the sword that is stunning to Cinderella, and then that gives, uh, Junior the time to shoot it. Do you think it's gonna be, like... It's an Excalibur thing. Yeah, that's what it's, I was. That's what I was thinking. It's a sword and stone, Excalibur, like because we're doing a bunch of like the the series is very firmly rooted in an English aesthetic, an English fairy tale aesthetic. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a sword and the stone thing. That yeah, that tracks. Um, I don't think I like that. Frankly, like, it was I... even given to him by a beautiful woman. The. <laughs> Something, something, Lady of the Lake. Uh, like, I, I swear there's going to be a point in one of the seasons where, like, this comes to a head. And I, it's like, ah, oh, it's the mystical sword. I fully agree with you. And, like, I was kind of thinking similar stuff. I'm like, are, are they going to go, like, a Knights of the Round Table sort of deal here? What's what's going on? Um, God, I don't like that, though, is the thing. Like, I think it could be so much more interesting than just that. <laughs> Like, I think that's where it's going to go. I just don't like it. <laughs> now, the question is, now that he has the magical sword, does that make him the once and future king? I'm leaving this call right fucking now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess my final thoughts were it was, yeah, mediocre. Uh, I didn't hate all of it but there was a lot i was very frustrated by um i think the dragon clad stuff is what like really gets to me um like specifically that this like universe like in reverse london they all use dragons for everything but nobody can touch them seems like a really really precarious position to place your entire like structure on (laughs) Yeah, like, I think the idea is that the only dragons that are dangerous to touch are, like, the building-sized ones. Um, so all of their economy is based on people in hazmat suits handling those ones. But it's still, like... 
Like, yeah, like they don't make a distinction between they don't make a meaningful distinction between the pottery plant dragon and the bike, the flying bike dragon, and the giant dragon that kills people. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard to kind of be like, well, okay, what does it mean that this guy's got a point four whatever uh, dragotoxin score? that he had to like get on his knees and lick a se- uh, thing to yeah it, prove it's to like you. it's like, like uh, it almost looks like it, a makeup like thing like it, like a makeup applicator not applicator like uh like a compact you know like you'd apply like a uh, foundation with or or like makeup setter it it's like noel like handsome one it's got like a screen that's got like the toxicity rating and she's like lick it <laughs> And he's like, what? And she's like, look it, we have to measure your, like, dragotoxin levels. And apparently if it's, like, above the normal level of 0.3, I think? Um, then, like, you're deemed, like, dangerous and you... In the show, they say you have to be executed. But in in the manga, it's either execution or 100 years prison sentence, which is basically execution, just longer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it's... Like there's a, there's a lot of little things of the world building that it it doesn't feel like cohesive like it because like you don't need to give all the details of the world building but the things the problem here is that the parts of the world building we do get feel contradictory and it makes you like think about like okay well what's happening so I'm going exactly. to stick to my previous recommendation which is li- like if this is interesting to you like if you're interested in seeing what Burn the Witch is just watch the third episode. All the char- like all the characters are so much better in episode three. I agree. Uh, like everything that they do, all the all the scenes that they get, whether humorous or not, all of them are really good in episode three. So it's like just watch episode three, get a feel of it, and yeah. Although there is the one bit in episode two that's fantastic, where Noel just tells Bruno Bagknife that he has the worst dye job she's ever seen. Yeah, that was probably I, the one part of the entire show that got like a laugh from me, like genuinely. Yeah, like that is genuinely a good, a uh, good bit. But overall, just watch episode three. The rest aren't really worth it. Uh, they aren't really worth like the time it takes to <laughs> to load them up. Um, like it, it's it's inoffensive. You won't like. If, if you watch it and you're like, hmm, these two episodes, I, I could watch them to get context. It's like, you won't be, like, viscerally upset you watch them, probably. But, like, it's just, just watch episode three instead. That's right. Go watch Star Wars episode three. Star Wars episode three is great. We can't, I'm not going to, like, start talking for an hour about episode three of Star Wars on this podcast. Not without my best friend, Connor. Like, my other best friend, Connor. Because, like, he would kill me if I talked about episode three specifically on a podcast without him being here. Well, now you can say it was brought up. Uh, yeah, on that can... note, we should we should just end the episode there. Like, we don't have it. We've been saying the same thing for the last 20 minutes. We don't really have anything else to add. Yeah, for <laughs> real. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, we never really did the host thing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause. Uh, you can find the show, like our normal show, uh, anywhere. I mean, this is just going to go up in, on the feed. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter at Bleachcast, or you can email us at IWOBleachcast at gmail.com. And I'm Sam, and you can find me at SSBSLJ. Thanks for listening. Uh, 
stay cool chads i guess i i mean do do we have a thing for burn the witch do we need a thing for burn the witch i don't want a thing for burn the witch just i don't want a thing for, yeah let's just end it bye bye <laughs>